0: Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Aces Up the Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting with the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, or PAR for a quick reference, Jared Shoemaker, and we're joined today by trainer Susan Anderson. How are you both today?
1: Doing great.
2: I am fantastic at the <laughs> new house in Lexington. Uh, if you hear any uh, nails and other things banging around in the background, uh, there's a few willing things happening here today, so... Yeah. Just try to disregard, but hopefully it won't be. Hopefully it won't be too bad.
0: Jared's DIYing while he's recording.
2: <laughs> Multitasking. Yes, we'll I've, I've been. I've been in landscaping today. I've been doing some woodworking today. I've been doing a little bit of everything. good, good times.
0: Wow. <laughs> Impressive. Absolutely. Well, in this podcast, we're going to shed some light on all things pocket aces. We're going to talk about the finer points of syndicate ownership. We're going to discuss what you all, the partners, have asked us to talk about. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you're going to be enlightened, inspired, and entertained on the topics. And you would have felt you would have gotten a little bit of value as your tenure as a member of Team Pocket Aces Racing. And before we get to our episode and our sit down with Susan, we actually do have one entry to mention this week. um, And that's going to be Mama Lou uh, on June the 14th. And it's going to be in a Horseshoe Indianapolis claimer.
2: Yep, uh, non-winners three, uh, 12,500 claiming race, uh, that's uh, two starts back, she ran second in that race, and her first uh, her first race off was a short layoff, uh, so hopefully, and then we put her in starter allowance company, and uh, you know, it's a little, little tough, little tougher spot, so hopefully she's back with her, with her good friends where she needs to be, and um, and you know, we She's hit the board for us a bunch since we claimed her last May, but we haven't cracked the wind circle yet. So hopefully, yep. this will be the spot.
0: Well, and she's come pretty close on a couple of occasions too, and she just seems to just get nosed out or comes out on the bad yeah. end of a picture.
2: That's that. Yeah, she hits the board a lot, but uh, but uh, you know she'll break through here one of these days.
0: Yeah, she's a tough mare. She'll get through it. So. In this week's edition, as I kind of mentioned before, we are actually going to sit down with Susan, and we're going to talk a little bit with her about her um, journey getting into racing, some of her most exciting racing or pocket aces racing memories. Um, And then towards the end of the episode, she'll answer some of your submitted questions. Um, So Susan, if you just want to start with just a a brief introduction um, of how you, how you got into racing or, or however you, you kind of want to introduce yourself to all of our listeners and maybe to some of our newer partners who maybe don't know who
1: you are yet. Okay. I'll, I'll start. Um, Hi, I'm Susan Anderson. I've been with Pocket Aces for a number of years, at least a decade, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, Um, Our first,
2: Susan, our first race together was in 2014 with Stormbank. She ran second on debut and then won her next start.
0: Oh, so almost okay. there, almost a decade. Almost almost a decade. It feels like
1: a decade, but we're,
2: we're close. <laughs> uh, if you're dealing with Mark um, and I, it, 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 yeah, it makes may as well be. really stretch out.
1: <laughs> well, I've known Mark, Mark a lot longer than I've trained for pocket aces, so that's pretty, probably why it feels a little bit longer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Mark and I met when I was in Dubai, and um, I was an assistant trainer uh, for almost seven years, and then I got my trainer's license over there, and we purchased some some horses through Dr. David Lambert, who Mark was working for at the time, and Mark actually flew over with the horses that we bought, so he and I got to know each other then, and uh, we kind of wind him and dined him over there for a few days, and And, uh, the horses all turned out to, uh, to win races. So they were good purchases and Mark and I kind of stayed in touch. And then when he started pocket aces, you know, he sent me a horse and and here we go all these years later. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, and I, I jumped in, um, I think in, what is it? 2015. How long have I been here, Jared? I don't remember anymore.
2: (laughs) I, 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 I don't remember. uh, Yeah. I know it's been a while.
0: (laughs) The, the old and the long way here yeah but um I know I think you were actually one of the first trainers that i met susan uh one of the yeah. very first trainers that that i that i met and i remember coming back from from your barn and I was just dazzled i was so like i was so now I, I don't want to I, I guess almost enamored because it was like it was so it was such a smoothly run operation. It was so nice, and like all of your staff were so awesome, and they were so like chatty, and they wanted to talk to me. And I was like, "This is amazing! Like people who actually talk as much as I do. This is
1: great." <laughs> <laughs> I do telling me that about my staff, and I was like, "Well, good. I'm glad they were they were chatting with you." So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but it has been a while. Yeah, um, time just. Away, but but yeah, a little bit more about how I got into horse racing. Um, you know, I grew up riding and showing hunter jumpers and as a kid I, I rode and just literally just absolutely had the horse bug from like age four on. Mm-hmm. And my parents moved to um Mara, Ohio. It was just down the street from a training center. It was actually an indoor track. It was an enclosed track. So it had like a roof over it. It was a half mile enclosed track where they did a lot of uh, breaking babies. And we actually did racehorses out of that track as well. But so when I was 14, almost 15, I basically just went down and asked him for a job. And I would come after school and clean stalls and learn to groom and bandage legs. And the guy that I worked for was a vet and a trainer. He had actually been a vet for Claiborne Farm. Oh, wow, so i t- I learned a ton from him just about legs and veterinary care and just you know all of that. I was just like a sponge. I couldn't get enough. I was just totally addicted. And uh, then I started galloping and got into racing through galloping, basically, mm-hmm. um just getting on horses and wanted to be a jockey and then I got pretty tall and my dad's like uh no you're not going to be a jockey you're going to college (laughs) that was the end but I did actually ride in a couple races in Dubai when I was over there we had uh races for they were called ladies handicap and they were real races real purses and everything but it was basically there were some of the female jocks that rode and then some of the female exercise riders that were over there and um so I had to get my weight down and I did ride a few races, but then I realized it really wasn't for me at that point. I wanted to train. So it was, I like eating too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most of us are in the same boat on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, we had actually quite a few, um, kind of like variations of these questions of, of this upcoming kind of question. So I just made it with its own topic. But a lot of our questions and a lot of the the fans and some of our partners wanted to know some of your most exciting or your memorable races, um, whether they're with pocket aces horses or kind of um, your own experiences. I know that um, maybe some of our listeners and maybe some of our newer partners don't know, but you all you do um, breed and race some of your own race horses as well as being a trainer for other mm-hmm. people. So do you do you have some that stick
1: out? Yeah, so Wendy Lou who obviously, you know, she was a horse I bred and, and Pocadesus got in on her um, early on and her winning the stake race, you know, at Mahoning was just, it was huge for me as a breeder. It was, you know, the first horse I'd had that I w- had bred that had won a stake. Mm-hmm. So that was really exciting. And then there was Copper Plate, which Copper Plate was probably, you know, one of the coolest horses I've ever trained. He was just such an, a chill horse. He you could just do anything to him. I remember taking him up to Presque Isle we ran him in a stake up there. And literally we came to the barn in the morning and he's laying down in the, in the stall in the receiving barn, like totally passed out, like just relaxing <laughs> before his race. we like, how many horses go to a strange place and just lay down and sleep? You know, I'm like, he's just so cool. Aww. But uh, and then obviously he won his very last start for us yeah. uh, when we were returning, That was just, you know, that was a huge highlight. Yeah. And him winning his start and going out on a winning note—that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, quite a few partners were telling us like how emotional it had been for them just to know that that his last race he was going out on a on a on a good note, and, and everybody was there, and everybody got pictures, and they actually did that really cool a happy retirement copper plate kind of thing on this one picture. Yeah, people were excited yeah. for
1: that. Yeah, the photographs you did of him, the photo shoot with yeah. his. uh yeah after he retired that was very cool
0: yeah well he is very photogenic he was he's one of those really good looking horses that just kind of knew where to look you know like you can tell like they know it's a little different there's a little bit of a different feeling when you're around those kinds of horses like they just know where to look they know kind of how to pose and and what side looks good because some of them will always go to one side and it's it's really cool to see
1: (laughs) absolutely Yeah. yeah for sure
0: well, if you're ready, let's mosey down to the um, the submitted questions. And Jared, if you think of anything while we're going through these, please feel free to chime in. And, and... oh, you know I will. <laughs> well, I was like, I had to make sure because you're unusually quiet, and I'm like, mm. with Jared, I'm, I'm just with Jared, join
2: listen to Susan.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was like, well, Jared, silence is suspicious sometimes, so you <laughs> have to be sure. <laughs> So one of our um one of our partners submitted a question where is what signs do you as a trainer look for to know um when a horse is ready to run like how would you determine if if they're not like how much time they need between races uh, what do you keep an eye on mm-hmm. for these runners
1: so like a horse that's already, you know, racing. I didn't know if the question meant like a young horse, like a baby, when, you know, when you're getting a two year old ready to run if well, when we you can, know they're ready. We can probably yeah. do like, we can probably do like
0: a like a two year old and then maybe a horse that, that's been there, done that, is a bit more consistent. You have a bit more to to, to base your 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 assumption
1: on about them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, obviously with young horses, with babies, um, you know, we've got to go through the whole gate process and getting their gate cards. And so, you know, before they start doing gate works, you know, you have several works, you know, three eights and maybe have um, into them. And then you start doing the gate works. And obviously you have to work them twice with, uh, with in company to get your gate card. And if everything there goes smoothly and there are no hiccups, um, I like to take them back and stand them in the gate, make sure they're not going to be too fractious before they run. And, uh, and then what I like to do is I work them, you know, from the gate. And at that point, they're pretty much fit and ready to run. So the last work you'd have out of the gate, and then I like to come back with working them from the pole, one last work before they're ready to run. So as far as timing, that's kind of, you know, and, you know, with a young horse, sometimes you get hiccups, you get little shins, or you get little things that may set you back, but typically once they get their gate card and then they have that one last work from the pole is usually when, when I like to run my horses after that, you kind of know they're ready. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, sometimes you have little issues that come up, but, uh, but typically, yeah, once, once they get their gate card, they're, they're getting very close to running. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as far as horses that are older uh, in between races, You know, sometimes they can get, you know, a little leg issue. Sometimes they have ankles and maybe they flare up or they get a little bit of swelling or heat. Um, Sometimes horses get body sore after a race, just really tight. So I like to, you know, watch all those signs to make sure they're totally through all of that before I look for a race. Okay.
0: So then kind of to to kind of add on to it. So let's say we get to the morning of a race and they, you know, and, and they're kind of. Like, sometimes, you know, horses scratch because they they just don't act the same. So in that situation Mm -hmm. with the signs that you look for, is that something kind of like if they're acting strange, if they're acting off, is that kind of your signal to to look at them a little harder and kind of determine whether or not they need to be scratched that morning?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they've been off their feed the night before, they didn't clean up their feed, or they're just kind of acting listless, I mean, usually when they're in and they're ready to run, You know, a lot of my horses just get, they're a handful to walk, you know, maybe the morning before and the morning of, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: if all of a sudden they've gone from being, you know, full of themselves to just being kind of knocked out, then that could be a sign that they're coming down with, with something, a little lung infection, or they're Mm -hmm. just not quite right. And then at that point, you know, we, we may decide to scratch if, uh, if they're just, you know, off their feet or anything, you know, Mm -hmm. any of those signs just tell they're not quite ready. Yep.
2: So uh, Susan, uh, build build on that just a little bit. So, how mm-hmm. long does it take you to get to know a horse? And it's probably maybe it's different for every horse, but just in in general terms, you know, uh, mm-hmm. if, if if we send you a, a horse, and you know, mm-hmm. let's say let's say it's something that you uh, maybe let's just let's call it a let's call it a two year old. We send you Banshee Moon, which mm-hmm. I don't know if Mark's talked to you about yet, and it's going to be announced in the update mm-hmm. tonight. But I, I think you're getting her banshee uh, moon there you
0: right
2: go now. susan <laughs> so um so so let's say we send you banshee moon uh our nice uh mm-hmm. nice two-year-old filly by malibu moon for which there is still 10 mm-hmm. percent available for anybody listening <laughs> you're missing out yeah jump in uh how, how long does it take you to to you know once she comes into the barn uh to kind of mm-hmm. get familiar with her uh your her idiosyncrasies you know what's normal mm-hmm. for her because you know every horse. You know normal for every horse is going to be a little different. How, mm-hmm. Just t- tell us about just kind of that getting to know a horse and how does that? Because I think for a lot of people, you know, you see one horse and oh, it's just a horse. You know, they're all the same, but they're they're that's mm-hmm. not true at all. No, that's
1: not true at all. Every horse is totally different. Yeah, so I, I like to talk to whoever's had them and get, the, you know, their scoop on the horse. And usually they can tell me, you know, this filly likes this or watch her when you go to get on her. She might get a little bronky, you know, you might want to give her a few turns in the shed row before the rider gets on or whatever it is. Any little idiosyncrasies that the horse may have. Um, I like to ask whoever's broken that horse, whoever has had it, you know, prior to me getting that horse. And, um, but after that, you know, I kind of, it takes a couple of weeks to kind of get, you know, watch them train every day, see them in the barn, you know, just see all their habits. If, if they're good eaters, if they're not, if, um, you know, if they're easy to handle, if they're, you know, just, just all their little, their little, you know, ways that they, that they go, how they go and, and just all of that. But I think the key is to talk to whoever's had them. And, uh, and that way I know I can get a little bit of history because it does take a while to you know, if you buy a horse at the sale, you know, say a horse is a racing age or you claim a horse, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just, you know, a couple weeks, you know, uh, to get to know that horse, you know, without any history. It's really nice to have history from wherever it came from. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. okay, great. Thank yeah.
1: you.
0: So uh, somebody kind of with with getting to know a horse, somebody was wanting to know, um, how do you know what surface a horse would prefer running on? Like, does that happen in the mornings or? do you, does it, does it take trial and error in the afternoons to kind of get an idea of what surface they're going to want to run on?
1: Yeah. So it's, it like I said, every horse is different and sometimes you can tell by breezing them. So like I'm at Turfway now and we're on the synthetic and you know that horse may not breathe that great on that surface um does he like that surface or not it's kind of hard to know until i would maybe breathe him on the dirt and then you breathe him on the dirt and you're like oh wow this horse breathes so much better on the dirt um so if you're not switching tracks it may be hard to know that but you know a lot of times the horse you know that you get from someone else and they're breathing you know great times and then you get them over to the synthetic and they don't want to they're just struggling you know and they don't finish up well they don't really warm up well so a lot of times you can tell in the morning but it's also in a race you know say a turf race you know you don't have many opportunities to breeze in the morning on the turf Mm -hmm. and so you think horses may like the turf and sometimes you just have to try it no sometimes there's not really any way to really know for sure until you try it but but yeah a lot of times with certain horses you can tell by breathing in the morning and seeing how they handle the surface
0: yeah that so, re- that reminds me a little bit of of that situation we had with red five where he wanted no part of the of the synthetic and then we got him on the turf and he was great he felt great
2: mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, yeah. so susan you, you mentioned that you know now that you're at turfway park uh full-time how is that going to mm-hmm. make the i mean obviously I, you know, we we uh, person i'm thrilled about it i think it's great but <laughs> I uh, you know just yeah. You know, so how does that change you know just does it change anything or you're still you know it's still basically just business as usual you're just you're just at a different track every day
1: yeah i mean i love training on the tapita it's a great surface i feel like horses tend to stay sounder training over that track i don't have that many horses that um that don't train well over it um it's pretty fair track so um, as far as switching them over to the dirt and shipping out and running on the dirt, I haven't had any issues with that either. It seems like the Turfway horses, horses coming from there. I think uh, I went to a meeting at Turfway uh, a week or so ago and they said that Turfway horses shipping out, they were like winning at a 20, percent clip, Ooh. which is pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. horses that are training there seem to be running well elsewhere. Yeah. Well then for, for the,
0: for the races then, somebody was actually curious, and I suspect it's more of a a group effort than maybe uh, this individual thought it was, but they wanted to know how you decide uh, which jockeys will be riding our runners, or your horses, or our horses, or any horse, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, so some jockeys are known to be kind of speed gate riders. You know, they get the horses out of the gate quickly. Um and then other jockeys are not known for that. So I guess depending on the horse, if the horse needs a little help getting out of the gate, and that's an issue. If it's a, if it's a sprint, you know, horse that sprints, a horse that, you know, runs short, it really needs to get out of the gate. Um, I tend to pick riders that are good gate riders.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I also like to have my, horse, my riders on the horse in the morning if I can. Um, sometimes it's not possible if they're not, you know, not able to. You know, right now, like at Turfway, not every jockey can get to turfway to breathe a horse, um, but I do try to like to arrange that if I can, so they can get to know the horse before they ride it. You know, jockeys also, you know, they, they can watch replays of races and see how horses how horses like to run, but it's always best to let them get on the horse before they ride in a race in a race.
2: Do, do, you, do you think do many of them do you think many of the, the riders are, are are you know for a, for a horse in a five thousand dollar claiming race? Are there very many Mm -hmm. that are going back and watching race replays? Personally, I think it would be silly of them not to do it, but I just wonder how many of them are doing it for, you know, $5,000 claiming races at Belterra Park.
1: I think they do. I mean, I do think a lot of riders do watch replays, you know, I'll get in the paddock and I'll try to give them instructions if they've never been on the horse and I'll say, you know, this horse, like, you know, lay off of it a little bit or whatever it is and then they they immediately say yes yes I saw the replay I watched the replay and then we have a conversation about you know about how when they won where they where they were placed in the race you know and a lot of them will say yes I watched the horse's replay so even cheap races they I think they do their homework most Good. of the riders mm-hmm. the better riders I think do yeah. and it's yeah. easily accessible to watch replays of races so I mean I think it's a huge advantage for them to to see how the horse you know likes to run
2: okay uh, especially and, if,
1: they, if they've never been on it especially mm-hmm.
2: right well what about the role of jockeys agents because yeah I, I mean i know people that you know a lot of our people that you know some of them are they're fans of racing they may know a jockey's agent exists but they probably doesn't really know you know what they do uh you know what mm-hmm. how big of a role do the agents play uh when you know you go you you, know, you want you know santiago gonzalez or luan machado or somebody that ride you know, those guys ride for you a lot you you want uh-huh. them for one of our for one of your horses talk to us a little bit about how that agent uh, relationship and how the agent you know what a big role they they do typically play
1: yeah it's a huge role um because obviously jockeys don't have time to run around and and you know schedule breezes and schedule you know what what horses are riding so the agents are the ones that we call as trainers to to arrange you know for them to come and breeze the horse to get to know them we go over the condition books ahead of time, kind of, you know, just lay out the schedule of, of when this horse is running and they mark it in their, in their condition book. And, uh, you know, sometimes they get into jams, you know, where they are like, look, you know, I've got to ride this other horse. We just want on this other horse, you know, can, you know, who, who do you want? And then at that point, then I have to find somebody else. But but, uh, yeah, no, the, the agents are, are a big part, you know, of uh, for the riders, you know, for us to contact to um, to set everything up and to pencil in races and to come up with game plans. And, and is, uh, is yes, it fair so to it,
2: say that the jockeys have almost no input at all into what horses they're going to be getting on? So in a
1: particular race, like say I meet with the agent, you know, 10 days before race and we sit down and we go over the book and I say, okay, this is this spot for this horse. And immediately he comes back and says, oh my gosh, I've got so-and-so penciled in for that race. We're going to have a problem there. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, you know, they, then I come up with whatever rider I feel like I need, say, if it's another agent, then I'll just say, look, well, I'm going to, I'll find someone else. And, and at that point, I just try to find another rider. But, um, but usually we know ahead sometimes at the draw, you know, these guys will have a horse that they have to ride and they don't even know it until the last minute and say they just won on the horse. Right. You know, I don't like it when that happens and nobody does, but it it does happen occasionally. Not that often, like I said, but, but they've got a, a lot of times they'll ask the rider, the agent will say, look, I've got Susan's horse going in this race and I've got so-and-so's horse and they, they let the rider decide who they want to ride
2: yeah okay. all right and and now in ohio i think in kentucky i think an agent can have two jockeys is that the same in ohio yeah okay all yeah right.
1: two riders okay
2: okay okay i'm done. go ahead go ahead go ahead with the, the scheduled questions <laughs> all
0: right we're coming back we went off we went off we went off track and we're coming back we're wandering back so somebody was wondering um if it if you found it i think it the the question for this in this sense was in terms of like uh, expectations that you might have for horses that you bred or owned or expectations for other people's um, runners that ha- they have sent to you, is it easier to train um, your, the horse that you bred and own or just own for yourself? Or do you find that it's easier to train for other people in terms of expect of like expectations, what you expect out of, the, out of your runners?
1: Yeah, that was a question that was a little tough. Cause I had to really think on that. Cause I really, I don't feel like there's much difference. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, we have, horses together you know pocket aces and myself you know horses that i bred that you guys got in on and you know i don't feel like if i owned those horses outright if it would really be any different i don't yeah i mean okay. i feel like um yeah i feel like it's the same that's fair
0: yeah yeah because I, yeah. I wondered about that too because um because like sometimes occasionally when i when i go through books and i see that uh like uh i think it's mike maker he's the owner trainer of a bound for nowhere or something like that. And the horse is like a nine year old and he's only ever raced for, for Mike maker. And I kind of wondered sometimes like if, if the pressures may be a little different or if you, or if you experience races a little different, if you know that it's, that it's your horse, like that's the horse that you've, that you, that you've bred, you've owned, you've always been there for, for that, for that animal, that animal's entire life. And I've always just kind of been curious if it, if it changed a little bit, but, um, I guess it also mm-hmm. just depends by, by trainers. Like some people are just like, you know, I'm going to do my best for every horse. And some people feel a little more yeah. pressure for, for other people's horses or training other, for other folks. And I guess it just depends mm-hmm. on the person. So,
1: yeah, it depends on the person and depends on the partner too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with pocket aces, it's like, I don't feel any different if it was hundred percent my horse or if, you know, we're in partnership on something. Because I think, you know, we try to do the right thing by the horse at all times. And so I never feel like, oh, there's a time when I have to like convince you to give the horse time off, you know, like if mm-hmm. I say, hey, we need to give this horse a little time. It's never been an issue because we, we both do the right thing by the horse. Now, sometimes there's certain partners in the past that I may have trained for that, uh, you know, they, they kind of want to rush, 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 you know, let's find this race. We got to hurry up. And, and I'm like okay the horse isn't quite ready and then there's pressure there to run even though I feel like maybe the horse isn't quite ready Mm -hmm. yeah that doesn't happen that often I'm glad (laughs) we never want to make it we never want to make anybody's job
0: harder like trainers have a hard job anyway
1: (laughs) yeah that's for sure
0: (laughs) well and this one was kind of um Kind of curious, but somebody was was wondering if you have a stallion whose offspring that you enjoy training more than other horses. I find that was an interesting question.
1: <laughs> that was, and I had to think on that. Yeah, I was thinking back on certain horses, like Curlin. You know, Curlin horses seem to be really easy to train. pantheros, mm-hmm. I love. You know, those are the only two I could really come up with that I could think of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So. I guess those are just galleons that horses that I've trained that, that I really liked. Well, and it, go
2: ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Follow up. And then I've got a different question.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I know um, I kind of, I, I messaged the um, the partner that, that asked it about it and they, they mentioned mm-hmm. that they had been watching something on TV and a trainer mentioned that, Oh, you know, they, they'd really love training, uh, I think it was one of like the newer stallions. I don't want to like inadvertently put out a stallion ad. Nobody sponsors us. No one panic. But <laughs> um, but they had mentioned that, you know, they were like, oh yeah, I was watching the, I think it was the, the uh, Belmont broad- broadcast and somebody was talking about how they enjoyed training um, the two-year-old by one of the newer stallions and, and they were like, well, that's what got me thinking, you know, they were like, well, and they knew you were coming on and they were wondering if maybe you had um, a similar situation. Where? Everybody
2: loves training horses by tapping.
0: Yeah. Especially right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so Susan, yeah. You, you had a chance to go out and see Banshee Moon. I believe you looked at um, the Indiana bred filly, the Perfect K21 at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe you looked at some of the others, too. Could, could you share, at least in particular, those two? just kind of some thoughts that you have on them. And I'm sorry, I didn't send this to you ahead of time. I'm just springing, well, all my questions, I've just sprung on you because they've just kind of come <laughs> yeah. organically. But I would love to just, just okay. kind of hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, so Banshee Moon, I actually saw her for the first time um, when you guys did the um, the day at Margot when you invited mm-hmm. um, all the partners out. And I actually tuned in live when she was out and you and she was being shown. So I was like, she caught my eye that day. And then I got on the website and and looked at her and I was like, wow, I love that filly. She's gorgeous. And so, you know, when I watched her train the other day at Silver Springs, the rider brought her up to the, uh, you know, the area we were, you know, on the deck where we were watching. Mm -hmm. And I was like, immediately, I was like, wow, she's got a really kind, kind eye. You know, I was like, that's one thing that struck me. She just looks like a really sweet filly. And I asked Kevin and he's like, oh yeah, she's, she's a sweetheart, you know? So she just looks like she'll just be a really kind filly that just, you know, she just does everything right. You know, she just, at least that's what, what, what Kevin said, you know, she's just really easy and just laid back and, and uh, had a kind eye. That's what struck me the, the first thing. okay So, uh, and the other filly, yeah, we pulled her out. She was out in the field and um, and he brought her up and watched her walk and she's really balanced. She looks like she's going to be really quick. I can definitely see the in center and uh no i liked her a lot liked her a lot
2: okay great thank you
1: yeah she's
0: a good looker like the catalina, catalina cruiser seems to just stamp everything with a big white face that's what i've noticed about mm-hmm. the catalina cruisers is everything yeah, is chrome somewhere
2: she is yeah uh, she's, she jumps out at you when she walks out i couldn't believe that when when they brought her out and he said oh yeah she hadn't even broke yet and i'm like you got to be kidding she looks like she's coming right out of a two-year-old training sale so. I
1: know she did. I, I noticed that too. I was like, wow, she didn't look like she was just out in the field, you know, not doing anything. She, she uh, looked like she'd been in training her muscle tone and just yeah, didn't look, you know, like she had a grass belly or anything. She looked like she'd been in training.
0: Which is interesting, because when we tried to take her picture, she was not having any of it, even though she's very photogenic.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. She, had, she hadn't she had been handled a whole lot going into that. Uh, you know, she's mostly just been, a, she's been yeah. a horse, and, um, you know, she just, I don't think she'd ever gone through a sale. I think he yeah. bought her privately. We bought, when we bought her from him privately, so... She just hasn't mm-hmm. had the experience of being handled and, yeah. and having to pose and having to do all the things. But from what uh, what Kevin tells us, she is uh, super smart and just like, you know, picks up picking up on stuff almost before they show her what to do. So uh, right. they're ha- yeah, they, he- they, they plan to have her on the track next week.
1: Oh, that's quick. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, he he told us the same thing. I mean, yeah, when he pulled her out, I was like, wow, she looks even better in person than than the pictures. And the pictures of her are great. Like, you <laughs> know, but she's just she's very impressive looking.
0: Yeah, she's she's and she has she has a little air about her too. When you meet when you see her in person, she definitely has a very she she she's kind of full of herself a little bit. She's too. happy with
2: herself. Mm-hmm. She's proud of herself.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we like we like we like them with self confidence. So
2: that's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> well, I think that's about all the prepared questions. Yes, ma'am. But Pat, did you have anything else?
0: Uh, no, I'm good. I'm I'm very yeah. happy. I like this. This was a fun yeah. episode.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, And Susan. Do you have Do you have anything you'd like to share with any any of our partners? I, I know you've interacted with a bunch of them over the years, and and man. I, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate the time that you take with our partners when they come to races or when they come mm-hmm. to the barns. Uh, you know, when I text you last minute, oh, Dave Brown just got off the Dave Brown just got off the airplane and he didn't realize yep. he was that close to <laughs> Turfway Park. Can he run? Can you run by? And you're like, absolutely. And you know, you're just always so so yeah. accommodating. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate it and how much our people appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if you got anything that that you'd like to share with, uh, you know, about, uh, just, uh, you know, anything else about yourself or racing in general?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, as far as people come into the races, you know, anytime people are welcome just to come in, come back to the barn afterward. Um, you know, it's, it's great that people are so involved and just, I love to see people that have the the racing bug you know and they get excited Mm -hmm. and they just they love the horses and they just want to see them and they just you know their eyes light up you know and so Mm -hmm. it's it's great to see and I I enjoy you know hanging out with all the partners and getting to know everybody um so you know I just like to tell everybody sometimes people don't know that they can come back and look at the horse afterwards so just anybody feel free to to come back and after the race or, or anytime in the morning to watch him train anytime. Yep. I'm there all the time when <laughs> I can be. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, yeah. appreciate it. Thank you very much, Susan. We
0: appreciate yeah. it. And to, to kind of add on what Jared said, like, I've had partners tell me that the, that they bought into a horse because you were the trainer because how of how much they like you as a person, as a trainer. So we definitely, oh, we greatly appreciate you, Susan.
1: <laughs> oh, so much. Well, I appreciate all of you guys. So. Hopefully well, we'll have a lot more races to win
0: coming yes, our way. Right. Yes, ma'am. Well, Absolutely. thank you so much for, for tuning in and, and, and joining us today, Susan. We really appreciate that once again, you took time out of your busy day to, to sit down with us and have a chat. And we really appreciate that, that you came on today and, and talked to us on our little oh, podcast yeah. here.
1: <laughs> yeah, fun. I'm looking forward to listening to some of the other podcasts as well. Absolutely. Well, I think it's- yeah, it's great you guys mm-hmm. are
0: doing this. I think it's really really fun. Oh, we I am I am loving this. I have had so much fun. I get to just talk for 35 minutes to an hour depending <laughs> on who which one of us gets rolling and it's <laughs> great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I that patty you you're right up your alley
0: yes ma'am
1: oh i've i've
0: told some of your guys i'm like do not engage me if you do not have time to talk to me (laughs) because i will talk you into submission
2: (laughs) well before that happens let's wrap this sucker up Let's, Let's let's, let's uh let's turn for home yep
0: yep well once again thank you everybody for tuning in this week Um, Our listener count is slowly rising on Spotify, and we appreciate that everyone is excited, enthusiastic about this, and you guys are willing to support us. So make sure once this goes live, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our Spotify. Um, The Apple stream is coming along, we're almost there. So make sure that you keep rising those numbers for us. Uh, Once it's available, we'll let you know. And then as a little addition, we're also gonna start putting up some cool new features and new projects on our YouTube channel. It's under Pocket Aces Racing. So if you pop on there and you follow us on there, that's also going to help us out a lot. So we have a good idea of what you guys want to see and what you guys like seeing. So since we are all done, once again, everybody, have a happy Wednesday. Make good choices. And as always, the podcast is out.